This is Nicole from 15 Minutes of Saying, continuing on part three of our podcast on men, all things men, where they find their self-worth, how they define themselves, their identity, and ending the stigma on mental health. And so at this point, we were talking about the role religion versus God plays uh, in how a man defines his his value, his legacy, his self-worth, and whether that contributes to the change in society mindset. Uh, did Rodney, did you have something you wanted to contribute to that? Yeah, I had a similar path that, uh, that sounds like I had a similar path that Eric did, where I started off in a, um, you know, particular uh, religious doctrine, but through exploring uh, other religions, you know, worldwide, you know, um, I found that the technology is very similar across religions. It's transcendent, but the doctrine is what changes depending on where you were born or where you go. Um, if you stay true to the core principles, um, I think that it can play a role, meaning because it's about unity consciousness, right? It's about thought, feelings, and actions, and those three things being in alignment. So regardless of where you're born, if you, if you have individuals in that unity conscious, where they, as they think, so they feel, and so they act, that's when human beings tend to be happier. That's also when they tend to be the most productive. So I think there there could be whether or not religion chooses to do that again. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea, but I think that it could use that platform to, to do exactly that. Chris, I, I think there's definitely a difference between um, Christendom, as I call it, um, and, and uh, the culture of Christianity, and actually, um, you know, maybe a, a person's. Uh, sincerely held personal beliefs. So if, if someone has sincerely held personal beliefs, whether it's, you know, Christianity or some other religion, most religions um, would have would have people, um, would pr- provide people, you know, personal value through that religious belief. And so um, I, I, I haven't experienced other religions, so I can't speak to those, but I do know that uh, just through my travels that that's kind of been the case. So um, I think if someone finds their value through their, um, through, that's that's a great anchor to kind of to, to anchor oneself to. I think you broke up there for a second, Chris. You're saying if if someone finds their value through what? Yeah, if someone finds their value through their, for lack of a better term, religion or their sincerely personally held beliefs, I think that that's a good place to anchor to, mm-hmm. um, as long as they know what they're anchoring to. If they've actually read the text of their religious, uh, you know, of, of their religion. Uh, but many times people anchor themselves through a caricature uh, of, of what they think mm-hmm. that that might be through culture, not through actual, through the, through the text. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be an interesting conversation on religious studies because there are some religions that really do burden men to um, be the provider. I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, a man's value was determined on how many kids he had. Hence, they had 17 children and, you know, they were all sharing one pair of shoes because he couldn't afford enough for everybody to have shoes and 17 children to be fed. But, you know, society has evolved enough, thank goodness, that now if a man chooses to father 17 children, he typically works enough that they all get their own pair of shoes, too. Or he starts a TV show. (laughs) Or he starts a TV show. This is true, which segues into a nice conversation about that as well, because, again, you know, we've got a TV show on everything. You know, I recently saw an alert. um, There's a TV show, Sister Wives, and 
And that, you know, again, and that is supposedly a religious family um, with biblical backgrounds. And, and he finds his value, his worth, not only through the number of children he has, but the number of wives he has. And I'm not a, a, a scholar at religious studies, but there, what religion is that, you know, that that's where a man's value comes from? What, what is it that drives a man to, um, instead of wanting to be a CEO of a company, he's a CEO of marriage and children? Was that a rhetorical question? Well, I mean, you know, I, I can't think like a man. Uh, so really, I mean, what makes a man's value come from his wife and his offspring? Because if that's the case, I, I fear for my husband because one child and he's married to me. So, you know, yet he is the head of this household and the king of my world. So how does that work? Because y'all all know my husband as well. So, you know, where does a, where is the, the line? What's a skew there that one man finds his value from, you know, having multiple wives with multiple children to, you know, poor damn, one, one child and a maldious wife on the planet. I think this goes back to what I said in part one, where I, I think I mentioned that reality is constructed. What you believe is largely based on the values, norms, and goals that were instilled into you, right? And that's why it seems to change depending on where you're born or what family you grew up in. Mm-hmm. That explains a lot of the, the differences between what we believe is culture. It's because it's constructed and it's taught. And then we agree with it and we can we continue to carry on. So it doesn't surprise me at all that this is the case for uh, this particular person or that organization or that tribe. Uh, and I suspect that it would be very different or somewhat overlap uh, in different tribes. I think we've brought this up a few times is men, men often find value in being providers. I mean, there's still cultures where men have to pay a dowry to marry a woman um, that's providing to her family uh, to marry her. Uh, in, in this example, you gave the polygamy example. Um, I won't get into my, uh, my opinions on polygamy, but uh, this, this person obviously finds value in the number of people that he's providing for. Um, and a lot of people may find their value in that. I think it comes back to a core of men being providers and uh, care, not, maybe not caretakers, but at least providers. And it's funny that as men being the providers, they're not viewed as the caretakers because isn't providing a role of caretaking? I would agree with that. And, you know, and again, it's that whole blade and chalice, uh, the concept, um, and, un- and under- how to simplify the world so that you can actually operate in it. I'm, I'm with you, Nicole in that I hear Eric and I also hear Chris, when I hear them speak, I, I get the impression that they too recognize this, but can choose to assign that value in a more conscious way instead of an unconscious way. It's like they have thought about it. And I could be wrong. I don't want to speak for these guys and I've never met them before today, but it sounds like they can consciously choose for themselves where to assign the value. And I think that's hugely important. And I think that's actually what you want moving forward is to to make people aware and conscious of the fact that they can choose how to assign this value. Sure. And so does that circle back to the tribe you surround yourself with? If you are a man who chooses to find your value in taking care of your wife and taking care of your children, or, you know, as a CEO or taking care of your health or even taking care of the environment, if you're a single man and 
you don't have a wife or children, but you find your value in leaving the smallest footprint on the earth, it, does that come from your tribe, even if it's not part of your original upbringing? Your intentional tribe, maybe? Yeah. Because because there, there have been men that I admire that I have tried to model myself after um, and, and taken them out to lunch and develop relationships with them so that I could be more like them. So I think that the same way Rodney's saying, I said, you know, we're, we're making choices um, about how we want to live um, based on the people that we surround ourselves with. And I think intentionality is the, is, is the point here is that I don't feel like I'm trapped into having the same kind of family that I was raised in, uh, or even, even the role models that were assigned to me by God. I think that, that I, I, I'm allowed to make some intelligent choices with intentionality based on what I value and what I see happening and uh, what I want my wife, my life to look like. So I have so many thoughts swirling in my mind over this whole concept of the husband being the caretaker and taking care of his family and his wife. And, um, and I, I tend to, as much as I love being, um, the homemaker and the stay at home wife and mom, even though I have worked outside the home and I do work outside the home and I feel like that has been my calling. Um, I also tend to rebel and balk at the thought of I am just a wife or just a stay at home mom and to be put under someone's thumb to be treated like I am second class or it's expected of me to do certain things in the home and I'm so grateful for a man that did not did not follow that example of the you know 60s and 70s and who would that man be uh, <laughs> I, I just want to clearly know, define that I mean I'm getting a little scared here I just want to make sure we identify the fact that she's not talking record, about this yeah. man. <laughs> right but I I I kind of want to go back to Adam in the garden, you know, of Eden and how God created him to be the caretaker of that garden. And um, doesn't the word husband come from husbandry, which is a form of a farmer who takes care of that garden? And um, you can keep whatever you want in the garden. You can keep the weeds in the garden. You can keep the rocks in the garden. But if you never pull any of that bad stuff out, you're not going to have a thriving garden. And so you want to put into that garden things that are going to produce good things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that sometimes men don't realize that their role is to caretake. And our role as women, whether we're a stay-at-home mom or we work outside the home and make more money than our husbands, because I have many girlfriends who are actually the breadwinners. And they have husbands that may stay at home or their roles are flip-flopped. But I think that the productive marriages that I have seen um, are those where the husband and wife are working together to take care of the needs of each other and the needs of their family. So, you know, Eve's role was to be the helper. It wasn't to be under Adam's thumb. It was to help him as he cared for the garden. So those are just, that's just my little soapbox. I'll go back to cooking the dinner. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. So given the, the enlightening conversation we've had over the last three podcasts, um, how do you think 
all of this is contributing to the effects on men's mental health. I'm going to give you a quick statistic and then we're going to take a station break, but 22.4 men per 100,000 men die from suicide in 2017 compared to 6.1 for females. So the question is, mental health, are we really doing enough? This is Nicole from 15 Minutes of Sane. Thank you for joining us. Make today so awesome that tomorrow gets jealous.